I'm here today with Professor Carol Adams, Professor of Accounting at Durham University Business School in the United Kingdom. Professor Adams is a co-author of a paper entitled Connecting the COVID-19 Pandemic, Environmental, Social, and Governance Investing and Calls for Harmonization of Sustainability Reporting. Professor, let me start by asking you to explain what motivated you to write a paper about this topic of harmonization of sustainability reporting. Well, I've been struck by some of the information and incorrect assertions, as I see it, made in press releases by various bodies contributing to this the discussion on harmonization, and in particular around the establishment of a sustainability standards board by the Inter by the IFRIS Foundation. Uh, so with a colleague of mine, Subhash Abhaya Wonsar, um, we, exa we examined these issues in a, in a bit more detail and, and looked through all these papers. And we found evidence that there is no one investor perspective. Different things matter to different investors. They have different ideas about how sustainable development issues will affect the value of their investments and value different types of information um, in different ways. So some will only want to look at a few consistent metrics. Others want to know how relevant sustainable development issues have been identified by the organization. They want some context that allows them to assess the quality of management and the rigor of the governance oversight. During the pandemic, we've seen that companies that are that are good at managing other environmental and social risks, were ready for any kind of situation, and on the whole have reacted well, and their share, share prices have also um, been less volatile. So the flow of funds to sustainable investments during the pandemic has reached new heights. They're performing well and with less volatility. So um, consistent and comparable metrics alone do not satisfy investor needs. You know, many of them are asking um, questions around this context, around the way that um, the organization is managing um, sustainability issues. And so if you consider only what is financially material, you won't identify all of the financially material matters to an organization. You'll miss sustainable development issues and impacts on stakeholders that become financially material. So, Professor, speaking of materiality, your paper, as you indicated, addresses, among other issues, this ongoing debate occurring globally and here in the United States about how to define materiality for purposes of sustainability reporting. At a recent U.S. Senate confirmation hearing for Gary Gensler, who's President Biden's nominee to be chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, materiality was at the center of several questions from Senate Banking Committee members. For example, one senator provided the following hypothetical. If a big public company spent an insignificant amount on, say, electricity, is it material whether that electricity came from renewable sources? Mr. Gensler replied that according to the United States Supreme Court precedent, the test for materiality is whether it's material to a reasonable investor in the context of the total mix of information. He went on to say, in the hypothetical, 
the information about renewable sources may or may not be material depending upon the total mix of information. And Mr. Gensler also indicated that a financially insignificant amount may be immaterial, but it must be viewed in the broader context of the mix of information. The same senator that asked Mr. Gensler that question opposed Mr. Gensler's nomination. And doing so, he stated in part, quote, I also asked him if a company's financially insignificant spending on energy or political advocacy is material information that must be disclosed to investors. In response, he essentially indicated that if a number of politically motivated activist investors want to know certain information, for example, information related to global warming or political spending, then it's material information, even if it's financially insignificant. And therefore, the SEC could presumably mandate its disclosure. The bottom line is, as long as there are liberal activist investors who demand to know certain environmental, social, and corporate governance information, I have not been able to discern a situation where Mr. Gensler would not be willing to mandate disclosure of such information, unquote. So, Professor, you know, considering the fact that many securities law experts agree that the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission clearly has the authority to require disclosures that may not meet any definition of materiality, what is your reaction <clears throat> to the materiality debate ongoing in the United States as illustrated by the exchange between this senator and Mr. Gensler? And, and can you compare and contrast the U.S. debate on materiality with the current debate ongoing internationally on materiality and sustainability reporting. Sure, and I have to tell you, I find I find that conversation between Senator Toomey and Mr. Gensler somewhat bizarre. Um, it's yesterday's thinking. It's quite alien in Europe, um, in particular, and um, and also in much of the rest of the world. Uh, so in Europe, there's this concept of double materiality, where you think about both financial material materiality and also um, the um, material impacts of the organization on sustainable development. And I'll, I'll, I'll come to, to why um, in a moment. So in the debate between Senator Toomey and Mr. Mr. Gensler, whether that small amount of spend on energy was for renewable, it might be material to the value of a company that's marketing itself as green and selling products or services designed to have a positive impact on the environment. In that case, buying fossil fuel energy would be bad for reputation. It could lead to um, less customers, even a, even a boycott of the company's products. And that would almost certainly impact on sales, profits and share price. But that example aside, there are a number of issues. Firstly, the determination of, of what's a reasonable investor is subjective, and it's driven by the values of the person making the determination. And investors have a whole range of different uh, perspectives on both what is going to end up being material to the organization and also the information needs that they have to assess it. 
And secondly, you can't consider what might be financially material without examining what social and climate change issues are of concern to your stakeholders. You may miss something that's directly relevant to your ability to make a profit or create value more broadly, such as something that damages a relationship with a key stakeholder group. So, for example, if stakeholders think you're abusing human rights or contributing to climate change, um, they they might stop buying your products or choosing they might stop choosing employment with you. There could be legal legal ramifications, um, bad press, campaigning, and so on. And this comes back to affect um, the value of the um, of the company. So climate change and racial equality matters, for example, um, are matters of public concern. And if you're not thinking about climate change risks and opportunities, you're not maximizing firm value. Climate change has brought huge opportunities for some companies. Siemens, for example, sell products that, their cu- that help their customers achieve carbon u- neutrality. And if you don't have policies that support race equality, you're not employing the best people. You may also be opening yourself up to expensive legal cases. Most large companies around the world use the Global Reporting Initiative standards. They're voluntary. They cover reporting on an organization's impact on sustainable development. So they're already doing this. And they they use these standards because they recognize that stakeholders want this information. Unfortunately, because they're not mandatory and therefore reporting is not audited, some companies are using them in a superficial way. For example, they might not want to do a thorough materiality analysis involving finding out what matters to stakeholders. And this comes back to bite investors. But if stock exchanges mandated some of this information, um, that would resolve this, this, this issue of poor reporting on these issues. And um, it would give investors better information about the wider impacts of an organization that can also impact on the risks facing the organization and therefore um, the value of the organization. Professor, a second issue discussed in your paper is the call for consistent and comparable sustainability disclosure. In a speech at CII's conference last fall, then SEC Commissioner, now acting SEC Chair, Allison Heron-Lee discussed the need for consistent and comparable public company disclosures about diversity. In that speech, Commissioner Lee stated, quote, It is often argued that if information, including with respect to diversity, is material, it must be disclosed under our broad principles-based regime. We should therefore leave it to companies to determine whether diversity information is material, and if so, what specifically to disclose. This approach, however, has led to spotty information that is not standardized, not consistent period to period, not comparable across companies, and not necessarily reliable. In addition, I hear complaints about so-called woke washing, where companies attempt to portray themselves in a light they believe will be advantageous for them on issues like diversity. A disclosure regime 
that allows companies to decide if or what to disclose in this area can certainly exacerbate that problem, unquote. Professor, what is your reaction to Commissioner Lee's comments? And can you describe for us the current international debate surrounding the call for more consistent and comparable sustainability reporting? Well, there are a few points in Commissioner Lee's comments that I'd like to take um, issue with. Firstly, until reporting on social and environmental sustainability issues is mandatory and subject to external assurance, we'll continue to see self-interested information reported. And the SEC could have a role here in making some of this information mandatory. My own research examining how companies portray their performance on social and environmental issues compared to how it's portrayed in the academic literature by NGOs and government regulatory bodies and in the mainstream quality media reveals a huge gap. Um, I've called it a reporting performance portrayal gap. So the mainstream um, media, the NGOs, government regulatory bodies, for example, um, will will talk about the performance of the organization in a much more robust way. And the organization's reporting, its own reporting, includes untruths, distortions, material emissions, trivializing serial matter, serious matters, and so on. Um, so secondly, a rules-based approach to reporting on sustainability issues will leave issues material for the stakeholders of a company unreported. Um, a principles-based approach that requires companies to, to determine their impact on stakeholders is really critical. And if you don't have that, if you're just following rules, you're going to miss some things which are um, really important to your key stakeholders. And that, as I've said, can come back to impact on the value of the organization because the stakeholders um, will um, you know, take action. They will... They will not buy products from a company. They'll not seek employment in a company. There will be increased regulation if a company is not doing the right thing by stakeholders. And that only works if that materiality process itself is disclosed and examined by assurance providers. Um, you do see companies that, that ha have a materiality process which is not very robust, um, and therefore they could be missing key material um, issues to stakeholders, which come back to impact on the value of the organization. And thirdly, most large companies around the world use the Global Reporting Initiative, the GRI standards, to report their impacts on social and environmental issues. So there is already a lot of comparability in the indicators that companies uh, report on these, on these matters. So I don't accept that a rules-based approach is, is, um, is, is preferable. Um, and I, I don't accept that there is a huge amount of, of lack of uh, comparability. And what we need is to make these sort of existing indicators uh, mandatory to increase that comparability. So I think the emphasis of the debate in sustainability reporting comes from a desire to make reporting and the analysis of reporting cheap and easy. And that's a false economy. 
we're dealing with complex interdependent um, issues. And if you try to dumb it down, um, you're going to miss a significant social and environmental impact and a significant risk for investors. It's really time that companies and investors put as much resources into assessing these impacts and risks and understanding the opportunities um, that can come from these uh, risks and these sustainable development issues as they do on financial reporting and financial management. That concludes our podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank our special guest, Professor Carol Adams, Professor of Accounting at Durham University Business School in the United Kingdom. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at Jeff, J-E-F-F at Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.